Too many promises. Not enough detail on those promises. Let's go through some of the details and the uh, headlines coming out of uh, the debate and the political scene. This week, we've got Denzel Minen Wong, former city councilor and deputy mayor, and Jess Garen Sing Sendu, strategist with State Strategy. Good to have both of you. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, I assume both of you watched whatever that was last night, right? The inter- I- the interrupting festival. Uh, it was awful. <laughs> All right. Let let me start this off. Um, Here's just kind of a taste. If you haven't heard uh, some of stuff that we've been talking about, what whatever was asked, some of them didn't answer the questions at all. Others were too busy talking over each other. But this is kind of the free for all on the issue of affordability. We have a lot of undecided people that want to make a decision. The folks up here that are saying we're going to take over building. Just imagine if you want to buy a pair of shoes, you go to the shoe store. You don't go to government. So when you have government getting involved and the amount of bureaucracy that you're going to add on top of a critical problem, when government has declared that there is a housing crisis that they have created, you've got a problem. But again, Olivia Chow, we're talking 25%. Sorry, Brad, I'm adding five to it. My team has had a look at it. 25% increase in taxes. That is a huge issue we're talking about over $2,000 a year. She only sees tax and government for the solution is housing. And you cannot have just housing without builders as well, without having the government at the table as well. There's lots of housing. We need more. You have not told people what it's going to cost. And so why are you hiding this? Why can't you just say what it's going to cost? All right, candidates, and that that concludes this round. All right, let's bring that down because it just goes on and you get the point. Uh, we didn't get a lot. They were after, obviously, Olivia Chow because she is the front place uh, candidate. Uh, Denzel, let me start with you because you are in City Hall and you see how this works. Um, look, we've got a front runner candidate who is saying she'll just charge a little bit more on expensive houses in Toronto. And I'm thinking, well, what's not expensive in Toronto? It's like, I just, People just need to know. Like, is it 10 percent, 5 percent? Like, what are we talking about? And she, she's gotten away with not saying it. Yeah, and she's deliberately avoiding it because everybody's asking her. And so when you're not, you're, you're deliberately avoiding a question, a question that, you know, that goes to the, what's your hidden, why aren't you telling us? What's your hidden agenda? You're obviously, you're not telling us because you're afraid of what the number is and you're afraid about the, what the reaction is. And so if she wants to be mayor, it, it, it's actually turned into a pretty fundamental question for a lot of people. Um, it's going to be a ballot question. And uh, because she's not saying, uh, I think people are thinking the worst. And, I, and, and quite frankly, if, if you're not saying, um, you're, I think it's fair to think about the worst. Well, I do too. I mean, look, affordability is a real issue. And while everyone seems to think that we should be paying more taxes, um, it, it, does, <laughs> it does have to come with the services and all the other things that we don't get. And let me ask you, Jess Garen, um, just from a strategical uh, perspective, did anybody... Uh, do a great job last night. Did anyone move the needle for you? You know, I think in the best of times, debates hardly move the needle. <laughs> and in municipal yeah. politics, in particular, where you uh, you typically have low salient issues, um, and not many people are tuning in, and it's a by-election. I, I, I would have my doubts that, that the debate moved the needle in any kind of significant way. My my wager would be that uh, people that are, are paying attention and know uh, what's going on and have thought about the race um, at this juncture probably have already made up their mind. And what I'm kind of interested about is 
uh, not only the results of obviously the election, but then what happens afterwards in City Hall, because, you know, you do have councillors running uh, and that will have an impact that bleeds well beyond just election night. Yeah. What about, though, it was the first time we did hear on the campaign stage, Denzel, from Anthony Fury, and he was a bit nervous off the top, but did he uh, make an impression and does uh, Mr. Saunders or Brad Bradford have anything to worry about? I, you know, I, I think Anthony started off, he looked a little nervous, but I, I think he kind of, his, uh, his comfort uh, yeah, got a little bit, he was a little more comfortable as the debate went on, which is typical of, you know, yeah. going into debates and not having that type of experience. Um, so I think he did. Well, okay. he hasn't had any other debates to kind of oh. work those butterflies out and that. And it is very intimidating. So, you know, had he done a couple more, maybe, um, you know, you get rid of that, but it is tough. Go ahead. You know, so I think he, I think he did fine, uh, and he did better. Um, you know, he certainly takes away from you know because the, the that space uh, center right talking about you know those important bread and butter issues like taxes and and, and services. He is t- talking in the same space as um, as Mark Saunders. I mean, there's agreement there, and and with Brad. So you know, they're, they're in that space. They're they're sharing some of that vote. So it's, um, it's got to hurt, uh, hurt both of their popularity. They're splitting, they're splitting the vote. And uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's hurting all those candidates. I think what should be happening, and unfortunately, is not happening. um, If they, you know, those candidates were truly committed, then the ones that were falling off and had less of a chance should fall, fall behind the, the leading candidate. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I think, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because I think um, it's funny just to, just with the kind of the, again the strategy hat. Um, you know, there was a there was a point in the early days, you know, right after uh, Mayor Tory stepped down, uh, there was uh, conversations around you know who would run and who wouldn't run, and uh, the prevailing wisdom at the time was uh, there will be some discipline on folks that sit on the center or even center right, and where you're going to see a lot more of a split is on the left. It's mm-hmm. been the the exact opposite of that. Uh, you know, Olivia Chow uh, has um, a, a lot of space, uh, and she ha- doesn't have to worry about being outflanked uh, in a way that you know Brad Radford or Saunders or Fury or anyone else does uh, in the center to center right uh, end of the spectrum. And that, as much as anything else, is, is really dictating uh, where this election is going. Well, stay tuned because whoever spent uh, the time locking on doors outside of the downtown Toronto may end up getting a, a bit of a, a wind in their back. The other thing that, um, you know, they were asked personality questions where they don't get any time to think about it, but they were asked, you know, who is it that you admire in Toronto, um, past or, or present? And I thought he gave, I thought Anthony Fury gave an interesting answer. Here it is. I always admired the common touch that Rob Ford had to stand up for the little guy. And I think that's lacking from City Hall right now. You know, I know that will trigger some, Denzel, um, but, you know, when you look at the state of the city today, as much as there was a gong show around the former uh, and late mayor, uh, there was less crime and there was less drug use than we are actually dealing with right now. And I, I do think that, you know, for all the empathy and compassion that um, that we say we show now, uh, I mean, it wasn't shown to him back then. But do you do you think, uh, you know, there are memories of, of uh, Ford outside of the gong show that people uh, can say, yeah, the city might have been a better place than that back then so i served with rob yeah uh, yeah i remember back in, 
Yeah, back in 2010. So I served Lastman, um, Miller, uh, Ford, and and uh, Tory. And I can tell you there uh, there was nobody like Rob. Mm. Um, and Rob's ability to connect with uh, with uh, with um, let's say the, the the common guy was yeah like, remarkable yeah so and if you talk to like I was I, I've been talking to strategists for way too way too long and I talked to uh, some uh, you know a, a really well respected pollster and he said uh, if you want to win in the city of Toronto a center right candidate. You've got to activate them. You've got to mm-hmm. give them a reason to go and vote. And they didn't have a reason until Rob Ford. And he was, he was able to activate those people, like the, the common guy who never votes, mm-hmm. like nobody's business. And we yeah. haven't seen someone like that since who's been able to you know, have that common touch. Did you have any thoughts on, on the comment that Anthony Ford, uh, Anthony Ford, <laughs> Anthony Fury, uh, played, uh, last night when he was asked about, um, Rob Ford and, and kind of the touch he had with Torontonians? Yeah, look, I, um, I actually lived in Etobicoke for about two years, uh, during the tenure of, uh, Rob Ford as mayor. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would have to uh, agree that, um, a lot of folks just connected with the man. Uh, they mm-hmm. believed, that in uh, Ford, they had someone that if, if there was ever an issue, if there was ever a problem, they'll get in touch with his office and he would help troubleshoot it. And at the end of the day, yeah. a lot of your municipal issues are just so local and mm-hmm. they might feel small. Uh, but what really worries people is, hey, I, I, uh, the, the snow wasn't shoveled uh, properly uh, mm-hmm. off the streets. Uh, and my garbage isn't being collected. It's a lot of the small stuff I think that we get, we lose sight of, you know, we, we do lose sight of the trees for the forest sometimes. And uh, Ralph Ford was very good at not uh, sweating the small stuff and, and actually yeah. uh, actioning them and, and working Serving on them. the people. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting and, and because... I think a lot of politicians need to learn from that. I do too, uh, where they're not just cut out of plastic and like, he, he, the problem for Rob Ford is he wasn't the mayor. He was still a counselor serving his, his, his constituents. You know, it is unheard of that someone returns your call. It's just impossible. Maybe Fury, Fury being the outsider might be that guy who still is able to connect with, with the people. I want to flip over to some other things because it's been such a crazy week. Uh, let me dig in a little bit. Uh, do you want to talk? Oh, let me talk about the higher. No, let me talk about Mendo Dimitrino, and then I'll kind of go from there. So he's had a really bad week, I'd say, and he's had a number of bad um, times with uh, his files. But, you know, we've learned that uh, this transfer was made of Bernardo. We learned that his office knew back on March 2nd. No one apparently bothered to tell Mendocino. We know the prime minister's office was alerted March 2nd. No one bothered to tell him. The prime minister knew before Mr. Mendocino. No one bothered you know, to, to pipe up and say, hey, uh, we got to deal with this. I, I don't know if they were trying to make it go away. I don't know if they thought that no one would notice. But, you know, I had Peter McKay on this show this week. And for all this nonsense um, that they can't reverse this stuff, of course they can. They can pick up the phone and, and say, you know, we need to uh, do something or they can table legislation, as has been done in the past with Carla Hamolka. But this is what was uh, the scene for reporters on Parliament Hill yesterday. Take a listen. Why didn't your staff tell you what's the You know, 
The prime minister is not showing up to question period. He kind of, uh, Mendicino stiffed the reporters and, um, you know, thought I guess he could give them a one-word answer and they were going to buy that. Uh, let me ask you, Jess Gearin, how would you fix this mess? Can it be fixed? <laughs> I'm being pretty uh, polite. This is a, yeah, this is one of those things where it's like, uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, the, the best medicine here was uh, proactively taking care of your health uh, and rather than trying to band-aid a gushing wound. Um, you know, this is this is just it surprises me because for a uh, a government and a, and a party that is is so concerned about uh, how it's perceived uh, in the general public and how to manage its image uh, that they you know quite often it feels like you know screw up things that seem obvious in hindsight. Uh, you know, this is this is one of those issues where uh, you know how much can you fix it now other than saying we're going to look at this and and kind of sure do what we can to revert the decision. And how much of it is, where do we keep falling uh, and stumbling and we were letting things fall through the crack? And how do we make sure that just doesn't happen? Why doesn't the minister know that maybe what? None, none of them ever know. Profile? None of them ever know. Yeah. Well, and this is a yeah. high profile case. This was like, this is one of the most important and high profile criminal cases and criminal matters in Canadian history. Uh, and so it's not small. Uh, and missing this is, is it is baffling. It is baffling, especially for me. I mean, I was, uh, you know, Ben Chin used to work at City TV. I worked at City TV. He was the lead reporter on the Bernardo trial. So he watched it every single day uh, outside of maybe a couple, uh, Denzel. And he is a main advisor in the prime minister's office. So I, frankly, you see the name Paul Bernardo. And I know, like, if you saw the name Paul Bernardo in your office, it's not the kind of thing that you just go, oh, I'll get to that. You, you just go, oh, oh, what's going on here? Like, do you believe any of this? And do you think um, the minister can survive? So first thing I wanted to say, Alex, was that clip that you played, I thought it was from the debate last night. Um, <laughs> the second thing I would say, <laughs> I think they got the second piece wrong. It's not, if they had written a letter and, say, and said, even though, it was, even though it was against the rules, like who would, who would fault them? Write to the decision makers saying this is wrong. We want him kept in the same uh, place that he is right now, right? And then we find out later that, he, that, that they didn't tell anyone. I think they would have been okay because they did the right yeah. thing. Yeah. The reality is it's not that they didn't firstly disclose it. It's that they, they didn't do the right thing from the very beginning. They didn't do anything. They didn't do, well, the right thing would have been to write that letter. And even if they sure. weren't supposed to write that letter, if the prime minister stood up in the house and he said, I don't care, this is the wrong thing to do, this guy can't be let out, He'd get cheers from all sides mm -hmm, of the mm -hmm, house, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so I know. Yeah, it, it's been handled horribly. That that's what that's what's so baffling to me is maybe they thought they could make interference, Jasper, and go away by using a Paul Bernardo. And if anything's going to bring them down, it's Paul Bernardo, not the interference, because this is the sixteen dollar orange juice, right? Like who dies yeah. on the hill of, of protecting or <laughs> defending Paul Bernardo? Well, again, it's, it's one of those issues. Sorry, sorry, uh, Jasper, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Love, yeah, no, ignore the rules for everything. <laughs> you both hold on, Jessica, and uh, first, then I'll go back oh. to you, uh, Denzel. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 it's all good. It's all good. Um, uh, you know, I, I was just going to say that uh, you know, it's okay. Fine, you made you made the mistake. Like, you can't obviously you can't build a time machine and go back yet. Uh, but who knows? Maybe AI will figure that out for us. Uh, but the, <laughs> the the real issue here is okay. You made a mistake. You know, you you guys understand how to do crisis comms, right? Like you understand how to go in front of journalists and and try to 
well, in this case, it's not really easy to justify anything that was done, but at least explain and have an honest conversation about it. And then what are you going to do to make sure that it doesn't happen again in the future? Those are those are very basic steps uh, that mm. they literally, the, the minister just tried to run away from, like literally yeah. tried to run away from. Um, you know, what journalist... Well, maybe he's used to not being chased because they've gotten away with so much. I mean, when do you see the media ever chasing this government? I mean, if they started doing this eight years ago, maybe we would have less scandals. But Denzel, I mean, this is not going to go away. I mean, you know, Lawrence McCauley back in the Carla Hamolka pajama party days, remember, he, he picked up the phone. He's a liberal. He picked up the phone and said, you get her back. And she was in maximum at a psychiatric facility and then finished out her maximum sentence. Um, and again, for this government, uh, I if you're to your point... If they had just said, look, we stepped over the line, maybe we shouldn't have called or interfered, but who's going to get mad at them? Like, who's defending Paul Bernardo outside of the, you know, one or two idiots who thinks he's cool? And when was the last time the, the Liberals struggled over an ethical dilemma and, and fell True. into the right place? Yeah, um, yeah. The only thing that will get this thing back into the box is if he's put back into the box that he's, that, that, that he's in now and he's not let out into a, you know, into a, a, a lower security facility. Yeah, the fact that they've gone to medium is, I, yeah, and I almost think it's too late. They should have moved him by now, uh, Jess Guerin. But, you know, and the other thing is, and I'll kind of touch on this quickly because I'm running out of time, is they've now voted a hybrid parliament. And I have such a problem with this, Jess Guerin. There's no guardrails or rules on this, and I think it's rife for abuse. But, like, accountability now is impossible, especially with this government. It's, it's going to be non-existent. Yeah, I think there's certain things that uh, lend itself very well to hybrid workplaces. I, I don't think that applies to our governance. Um, to your point, I, I think there's a, a, a very real layer of accountability that gets added when everyone is in the same room, they're on the hill, There's it's easy access for journalists, it's easy access for stakeholders. Like, There's a certain culture that's going to disappear with the hybrid model. Mm -hmm which I don't think serves uh, democratic institutions well. Uh, you know, we're yeah. the grand form where we can bump into these uh, politicians and have real conversations as citizens. Like, that's very hard to replicate in the digital space. And, and there's a reason why, you know, companies are trying to force people back into the office. Yeah. Uh, it's not yeah. conducive to getting things done. No, I don't think so either. I'll give you 30 seconds on it, Denzel. I mean, I just, I guess city council, maybe they'll want to do it, but I think it sets a lousy precedent, precedent when, guess, especially given how much money they're paid. Yeah, you know what? Our governments, city hall, the legislature, and, and, and up in Ottawa, they're institutions, and people expect you to show up for work and be, yeah. in, be in the house in debate. And for them not to do that, it, they're not doing their job. I think that's how most people will see it. Yeah, well, stay tuned. I'm sure it will not appeal to the, you know, people who are on the front lines at the Costco's and who don't have the, you know, option of doing that because it's a. Uh, not going to certainly be something everyone can do. I am so out of time, and I could have talked about 20 other things. So I do appreciate you uh, both spending some time with me on this Friday. I will wish you both a uh, great weekend. It's going to be a good one. Thanks. Thanks, Al. All right. That's Jaskaran Singh Sandhu and Denzel Minin Wong joining me. 